Hello again and welcome to The Domestics. Uh, I'm Mike Tomolaris. Now, this is a very special edition of the world's best cycling podcast. We've made a huge effort at great expense. <laughs> I'll cue you when it's time to laugh, uh, Matilda. Uh, now, Sorry. we've made a huge effort at great expense to produce another episode for everybody's listening pleasure. I mean, the feedback has been overwhelming. Now, before we start, let me just remind everybody that we're brought to you by Black Sheep Cycling Apparel and Honan Insurance Group. So if you are looking for a broker, an insurance broker that will find you the right insurance for your needs, visit the following website, honan.com.au. Okay. Now, the summer of world cycling in Australia came to a conclusion last weekend with the completion of the Cadell Evans Ocean Road Race. Sure. The Melbourne to Warney one-day Aussie Classic is being held this weekend, but we're concentrating, we're focusing strictly on World Tour events. Now, the Cadell Race is an event that ran off the back of the Tour Down Under. Held in Geelong was the women's and men's races, and I want I want you to all realise that this was a very big weekend. Let's welcome our fellow domestics. First of all, Lee Hollywood-Turner. Hello, but let's meet the star Absolutely. who actually rode it on Saturday. We've got someone who rode it Saturday. Absolutely. Matilda Reynolds. Compliments, compliments, oh, compliments to you. <laughs> blink, oh, blink. They, they're compliment. all expecting it was bling, but it's me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Till. It is me. It, it is. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Till, uh, look, welcome to you. And I've got to say, I thought you were outstanding. It was an outstanding performance from you individually. And, of course, from the entire elite women who made it such a fabulous race. Now, tell us, uh, what are your memories? What kick did you get out of it? What kicks did you get out of it? What thrills? How would you look back on the women's race? Yeah, I think it could have gone either way. Like, we were really expecting a, a lot. Like, the, it was going to be a much, like, the elements were going to play a lot, much bigger um uh, that in the women's race than the men's race, but it, it was probably a little bit more subdued than it, um, the forecast originally spoke about. So this, so the, the courses changed. So the women were going the opposite way, um, as were the men to previous years. And so what did that mean? It meant we were going to hit the coast later in the race, which was actually a positive if you're a really strong rider because those crosswinds were going to come later in the race and it meant that you could stay away if the group broke up, where in previous years the group has splintered at the start but there's still enough time to probably all come back together. So this year not only were we going the opposite way but we were also going up the Chalambra Hill, the famous climb twice which completely changed a little bit of the dynamics of who would win this race, how the race would play. And so really, um, and because I didn't race TDU, I wasn't sure of the level that we were going to have in the peloton, but really the peloton was very small. Um, and so it wasn't as difficult um, of a, a day than I potentially was um, 
expecting. I think the roads are really wide. The peloton wasn't that big, so it was quite easy to get around. In saying that, because I didn't race Cadell's, um, sorry, TDU, I was conscious of, you know, being in the right position, not really knowing all of where the riders or where they were at. So I was there with the national team and very much in a domestique role for Chloe Hosking's previous winner and Rachel Nealon, who's a previous winner. Um, and so that was really a role I was excited to have to be representing Australia on the day. You know, that was a great opportunity and I was just really eager to please. And so, yeah, the day, um, I think like Tour Down Under, ACA, who Black Sheep Cycling sponsor, and I think they got a shout out for the best kit in the peloton multiple times. Um, and then Bridge Lane, they went off the front multiple times. And really the peloton, every time it was those two teams, it's no disrespect, but they knew that, well, we're, we're going to bring this back. So when it was those two teams, they would let it go. It even blew out to over three minutes. Um, but once some of the wind started... That was really one of the most exciting pieces was there was there was some crosswind at some point. We got into an uh, – tried to form a bit of an estrelon. We were rolling at the front. We got that break back very quickly, but then, you know, we turned a corner and the wind died and, you know, it sort of becomes a headwind or a, or a tailwind and not too much damage was done. But I was really surprised how it started kicking off before we came into town. So um, we all knew that coming into town was going to be the most sort of um, when the peloton would be a lot of nervous energy. But, you know, one of my biggest efforts that I did was actually following Alex Manley up one of the climbs um, when she attacked off the front, which makes you question what the tactics were there if she was or wasn't the completely protected rider, I do wonder on that day if it was Ruby Rose McGannon um, because Manly did do a number of attacks off the front leading into town. But again, we all, even though up that final climb, the back door did finally open, girls started leaving the peloton from behind. Um, it was really the only time that um, riders started getting dropped and we were well over 100K by then. Um we came around, if anyone watched Bay Crits, you go around the Katani Gardens. Um, we went around there through some, a little bit of hecticness in town and just came into the first climb um, at, at incredible speeds because everyone has the same directive of get to the front. You need to be at the front. Positioning is key up that climb because you just don't, If particularly if you're a sprinter or a stronger rider like myself, you've got to keep imagining if you start at the front you can lose spots and still make it over where if you mm. start at the back, you're already like 50 meters down. So you're giving everyone else such a big advantage. Um, so yeah, so that was really this, the, 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 this, the race really truly kicked off once we um, met that first hill and it was all really about positioning for positioning Chloe and, and Rachel um, in, into that first climb. What sort of, with the climb? What sort of climb can you relate it to in Melbourne? Is it like Oliver's? Is it like Canadian? What What's it like? Hello, I lost you. Hello, yeah. Can, oh. Did you hear? Did you hear no, me? Did no, you hear I lost my question? You. Go, go. Oh, sorry. I said what with the climb? What sort of climb is it like in Melbourne? Is it like Oliver's or Canadian or the one in twenty or short one in twenty? What sort of is it? So in um in Melbourne, sorry for everyone that doesn't know this, but it would be like an Oliver's, but it keeps stepping. So you know when yeah. we do Hell Ride and we go, yeah. we do Oliver's and then it flattens out for a good, you know, two K before it's it goes up again and, and even mm-hmm. that up again isn't a great 
a great um, ascent. It's but it's it's up to like fifteen percent, twelve percent, and it keeps going like that. But because it is quite short, they do talk about it being quite a punchy riders type of climb. It's not. It is only really over a, a bit over a k. But it feels horrifically much longer than that. Well, so, so would it be a one? Sorry, Mike. Would it be like a one k Arthur's end? Because that's quite steep. Is it like Arthur's? Yeah, for a, k? a little bit, but even steeper, mate. Like you really oh, there's there's bits you can't do in the saddle, particularly the oh, last yuck. bit. And because it's mm-hmm. steps, you can sort of it's it's hard to recover there because you are trying to climb back on, um, mm-hmm. and then it goes over. You're not still not quite over the hill as you get as you go over the quam. And then it's a really fast descent. So that chase on is like full gas trying to get back into back into the peloton. Chills, for those of us outside of Melbourne, I mean, the commentators were saying it was 24% gradient. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, it is at the very end. Like if you look at your Wahoo and that climb um, element that it has, it's like very red. It's, uh, it's, it's the last bit you cannot do in the saddle. <laughs> You would you would have walked up it, Mike. Twenty four percent. That's a, that's above your pay scale. You'd have been walking up that, mate. Well, that's the, that's the first compliment uh, to Tom Alaris for the night. Thanks, thanks very much. Hey, uh, that's all right. Hey, Tills, Lois, uh, the winner. Uh, Lois, I can't pronounce her name. I've, I'm having problems, just like Hollywood does. But Lois Adagist or Adagist. How do you pronounce that? And tell us more about. I reckon the last Ad- the last bit you got it right. Adagist. Yeah. Now. She's a Dutch woman who's only been around for the last 12 months. Um, uh, she's made the transition across as a former speed skater. Do you know much about her? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I think um, I'll, I'll take you through that last little bit and we'll come back to Lois and then I'll, I, I can tell you who, who she is, Mike. And so, you know, we really came into that that climb with quite a big bunch and um, I was quite surprised. I just didn't really know where my form was at. So in one retrospect, I was surprised to make it over, but the people that made it over, I I was, I should be there and I was really glad to be there. So it, it was splintered um, when we went over um, the climb, but really we came into, there was probably about 30 of us um, that came back together after that climb. But what they don't really tell you too much about is that after that climb, there's a really narrow bridge that you fly through and then there's another really steep pinch after that where majority of races have been won. Like a lot of the riders have launched themselves off that pinch. And so that's brutal because your heart rate's at 185, you're trying to recover, you're trying to get back on and then you're met with another really brutal gradient that um, is absolutely again another out of the saddle climb you then have about 5k from there so it's um it's a really long drag 5k um back to the waterfront and then it's a it's a 2k finish um along that waterfront so when we got we all did get back together um through that sort of last 5k after the pinch and along the waterfront um and then it was just such a flurry of excitement that was happening there like there were multiple attacks happening that were coming back and forth um the speed was really high we would sort of swell and attack would go we would chase and go again again to just try to lead it into that um the another rep of that climb and you can imagine usually we would only have one of those um climbs and i think it just shows the level of racing in the women's tour how it has risen because it was really all the world tour riders that were there with us um and so 
you know, that would have been a bunch sprint almost um, if we'd only done one lap. So we go around for the second lap. Um, I think personally, and, you know, I can be personal on this podcast, I was just so desperate to do what all, whatever I could for Rachel and do. I, I took, you know, that role of domestique very seriously and was like just trying to stay at the front. So for a while there I tried to keep pace um, with one other um, FDJ rider we came into the bottom of the climb and Loretta let it out and we'd sort of chopped Spratty off her wheel and then um, Spratty let go of that wheel and Loretta, what was meant to be a lead out sort of and turned out to being an, uh, an attack. And to be honest, she probably just went way too hard there for Spratty to hang on. Spratty would have used way too much energy at that point. Um, and so, yeah, I just tried to close that down really just, I went back, grabbed Rach and just tried to take her forward and fling her forward and, and then really lost momentum when I stopped, she'd gone and then you try to get up the hill. And so on reflection, if I was to do that again, like FDJ had so many numbers, Zaf had numbers, Jayco had well over four riders there. Like that was really their responsibility, um, to be setting that pace and to be controlling the bunch a lot more than us. Um, and they really were the bigger teams. And then, yeah, I really just, I think I mentally, because I'd sort of done my job a little bit in my head, I, I sat up a little bit. Um, I, oh, I definitely sat up at the climb and was then uh, a few K later joined by um, Chloe's group who was behind me and was able to sort of lead her out to the finish. But I have watched the last 5K and I think um, Rachel's group, so what happened was Spratty and Lois, they, they got off the front they were the two clear um, riders that went off the front and they were sort of working fairly well together. Took um, uh, Lois a long time to start uh, working with Spratty, which I didn't quite understand. Um, and then you had the likes of Georgie Williams, Rachel Nealon, Claire Steeles, um, uh, all in that group oh, and Brody Chapman. So the four of them were only 10 seconds behind Spratty and Lois and they didn't work. And Rachel was the only one working. And I am baffled that, and I, and I think very highly of Georgia Williams. She's had a great summer with, um, EF, um, Tipco, but she is a sprinter and she wouldn't work that group. And she was the sure bet to potentially win that race. And, the only thing she did was she was attacking that group and that is just so counterintuitive to having cooperation. So Claire Steeles wasn't really coming through. Brody was obviously getting in the way, which was fair enough. And Rachel, the commentators sort of said, oh, Rachel's trying to get Brody to work. She wasn't telling that. She was telling Brody to go, you know, get out of the way. Um, and so I think that you know, in, that group really lost the race. They could have absolutely closed down the two leaders with 10 seconds. It moved out to 20 seconds and then they were joined by the group behind. Was the was your team happy with you after the race? Did Rachel say, thanks, Matilda, that was great? Did they appreciate the work you'd done or it's just Yeah, whatever? yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think, though, the work obviously it means a lot more when you get a really good result. But that I think on reflection, watching what Rach did, she got herself in a great position. She was top five with 4K to go and just had no cooperation, which Georgia Williams would have been – well, definitely a top five, but she would have won and she got eighth. So to not have immediately have that coordination and it's, I love in cycling how you are, 
you have these comrades and you're, you know, you try to be best mate, like you're trying to motivate and influence your opposition. And then suddenly with one K to go, you're absolute arch enemies. So trying to influence and motivate people is an absolute skill. Um, and the only other thing she could have done there is just like do a one minute turn and just try to get motivation by really showing how much committed she was to that break. But yeah, so then that group is caught by another like really big group, like another 10 riders or, or more, like they were about 12, 15 riders. And um, that's really where I look at Jayco Lula and very surprised at their tactics because they had four riders in that group um, and the pace wasn't on. You know, it. Uh, you can tell the pace wasn't on because Justine Barrow, who was also my teammate, who, you know, she's not known for her sprinting, she was able to try to launch out of that group. With Spratty and Lois still up the road starting to really muck around, they were track standing. And so I think on reflection, the team, Jake or Lula, is still really new. It's got a lot of new riders in it. So they definitely won't race like that come this time next year. Um, but I think there's nothing more disheartening when you have so many riders from your team finish and within the same group, but no one gets a result. Um, so I think, you know, for Danny Francesco to be able to launch out of that group and almost hold it off, um, the pace just was not kept high enough. You don't know how they're feeling. Like I think some of the Jayco riders just were absolutely blown, but I think, yeah, they were the ones that had numbers there and, and could have caused some damage. But, yeah, they, they didn't. It came in for 1-2 with Spratty and and uh, Lois. And, um, yeah, she, she got up and she played her cards right. Surprisingly, she was willing to lose it the way she was track standing and forcing Spratty to the front um, to win it. But this time she came off with a win. What do you know about Lois? Yeah, so I, I I know of her last year. I raced her in Europe when she was with a Conti team called IBCT. Now, she's well known for um, two things. One, she won Zwift World Champs, the eSports thing. So, you know, whatever that means in, in real world cycling. But I think she did say that type of, you know, race recover race recover within the within the race um like doing massive efforts and having to quickly recover is quite a skill that you develop on Zwift so I think that certainly helped her in this um but uh yeah she was on IBCT and before that she actually posted her power numbers on Twitter trying to get signed um she didn't get signed but she had a fantastic um series in the in the Ardesh um tour of Ardesh she um had a great race there and won uh, a number of races within that tour and that's really where she was signed with FDJ and I have to say full kudos credit to Grace Brown who was not having her day um and for her to ride up to her and say I'm not good we're all in for you you know, you have permission to go for yourself. I will help you. I think that is a lot of learnings for younger riders and, and how, um, you know, that's, I, I've seen a lot of riders not feel good and bluff their way through and equally at the end of the day go, oh, I wasn't well. And it's like that, you know, they didn't communicate that. So mm. I think um, full credit to FDJ and um, yeah, they absolutely deserved it. Tills, you've had a, an incredible summer. Um, 
you've competed mm. in and, and and enjoyed a lot of success. And I could sense from your socials posts before and after the race. I mean, uh, you would thank the entire world apart from Hollywood and myself, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. There are no hard feelings, are there, Hollywood? Uh, if I win the warning, I'll get on stage and well, think you're well, right. Well, I just want to ask you where you're at right now in terms of uh, your cycling ambitions at this um, point. Yeah, I was, it's hard because I think it was the first time I was sort of in that role and it's really hard not to be disappointed in your personal results. Or per, and, and the other thing is with that type of role that I played, it only really makes a difference if there was live coverage and everyone was watching at that time. Um, I think it you know, I was really happy to be there in that first lap. I would have loved to have, um, just, it's just learnings. I, and I do that a lot. I, I ride too far at the front. I'm always trying to get in the right moves. Um, and I really, you know, and, and, and so it's just about me being a bit more patient and sitting back a bit more. And so I guess the really hard thing is that I don't get to race every day or every weekend and these guys go off and they, you know, start with the UA tour and then they'll race these incredible big races every other week where they get to apply those learnings and continue to learn. So well, that's why um, I'm asking, are you going to have another crack at the world tour in Europe later this year? Is that the plan? Yeah, that's, that's the plan. Yeah. To go over after Oceana's in April. So, um, yeah, I tried to put my CV down. Hollywood was like, this is a good job interview for you on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I got a little bit, I was, I was like that really geeky kid got way too keen and was trying to you know, suck up to the teacher. But um, yeah, I, I, I certainly learned a lot from it. And I think I was grateful for that opportunity. Um, but yeah, you really, it's really hard to get those opportunities here in Australia. You really need to go overseas. So yeah, I'm philosophical about it. Um, you only need re- one really good result and, and those offers will come. Yeah, we are proud of you, uh, uh, Tills. Congratulations on a terrific race and good luck in the <laughs> Warnie this support. weekend. Um, let's quickly now focus on the men's race. Yeah. A surprise packet emerged. A German. Boring. Well, it's pretty boring. Uh, it's pretty yeah, boring. but I. Like, they, l- like l- that guy went off the front and then it was like watching Cam Nichols' video on the Hell Ride. It looked going through suburban streets. Yeah. And, <laughs> It just was a, it was a little bit boring. Uh, Hollywood, to be but the winner was was a surprise packet, and the emotion that spilled over oh, at the class. end was all class. Marius uh, oh, Ma- Mayhofer, just twenty two years of age. I mean, his his interview afterwards was was solid gold. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was. He spoke so well, and he was so humble and appreciative. And yeah, you you like you after he spoke, you're like, wow, what a lovely guy. I'm so happy he won. And you even saw. Simon Clark and a podium, give him like a a, a, a pat on the back because he appreciated it. So, no, it was a it was a really lovely winner. Yeah. Well, a great result for DSM uh, as well. Um, but I mean, this this young German overcame the likes of Caleb Ewan, Michael Matthews, and as you say, Simon Clark. Um, and also, he overcome having the worst kit in the bunch. DSM kit is so ugly, so boring. Seriously. They should lose points for that. But anyway, keep going. Tills, Tills, Tills what, do you, what did you make of the men's race? <laughs> um, I think I think the men's race, the guys that were there really um, were, are a true example of what I just said around being patient. So many times when some of the riders, um, and shout out to Elliot Schultz, who was in a great breakaway, the Australian, um, who, you know, so many times you thought that breakaway, it's on its way, it's going to win, it's going to stay away. And these guys just stay patient. They keep, you know, the pace high. 
they don't lose their marbles, they don't attack, they they really put all their cards that it was going to come down to this, um, you know, cream of the crop rising to the top and coming in together at the end and very surprised some of the riders that came in. But I think it does show just how hard that climb is and how much sting it takes out of the legs. Um, to see Aaron Gate there, the, the New Zealander who won the Com Games, um, absolutely smoked the Com Games road race. He's a trackie. He got 12th. He was in that group. Um, Caleb Ewan, 6th. Michael Matthews, 4th. It was a very messy sprint. Caleb came again. He sits very far back. He, you know, doesn't help himself in that retrospect at times. But I think, um, yeah, like what a credit to Clark, like Simon Clark. Like they, um, I think on the very first climb, I saw Froome out the back. Oh, up it was a bad seriously. look. He, he's Holy just not, dooly, he's just done. Look. He's washed up. He's just um, here for the his quad lock bloody so, sponsorship. <laughs> and uh, like seriously, he's, like, he's, uh, he's done. But Clarkie is just such a class act. And, and to come in mm. third, obviously disappointing for Michael Matthews. To have Caleb, um, Corbin Strong there um, at Kiwi also is great points for them um I thought Mark Hershey I really picked him for the race who was with UAE I thought they were all riding for him and I thought UAE I thought they did race it really well they were constantly sending people off the front to make it hard but um and and Plappy like Luke Platt I and Cal O'Brien Cal O'Brien was monstrous. really well at the end there to to try to both get the wind and um, you know, Kel just, you know, oh, Michael Matthews so wouldn't good. have been anywhere mm. near there if Kel hadn't. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, how bad was the crash at the end? God, oh, no. it, looked... it, it So was it, was it the AG2R rider? Did he slip off his bars? Because I re-watched it and watched <laughs> it. It looks like he just slipped off the bars and went forward or something. But for a good, like, I don't know, f- 10 seconds before that, it didn't look good. Like, he no. was out of the sa- – he just must have absolutely blown his – Poof a valve and he was just all over the bike. He was just, I don't know, a pop balloon and just gone. It didn't, it wasn't a good look. And so it almost looked like he took himself out. But you're, but you're right about Luke Plapp. He, uh, he's got a never say die attitude, always, uh, Mm. always trying to win a race. Uh, But uh, look, the disrespect, uh, Hollywood, you have for a four time winner of the Tour de France uh, just (laughs) blows me away. Yeah, sure, he might be washed up, but he's still got to fulfill his contract obligations. He's just hanging on. <laughs> like it's it's good for publicity. It's good for uh, factor bikes and all that. He's here and he's going to attract all the media attention. But this surely has to be um, his last year. He's I done. think so. But don't don't put him in the same category as that guy that crossed the line first seven times. The American, okay. I mean, this guy legitimately won the Tour de France four times. Hey, listen, it's rant time, Hollywood. What have you got? Oh, I've got I've got two things. One's a rant, and one's a, a, a the opposite to a rant. What's your op- a happy a happy thing? My first rant is to Trek. Trek, you are a disgrace. You have got Brody Chapman, who is the Australian national champion, and you haven't given her a custom bike. I put in I put in some research. I contacted someone who works within Trek, and Trek has said they're not doing uh, bikes for national champions. That is a disgrace. It's it's it, it's a blight on the national champ. Like they've won the they've won it, and they should have their own custom bike like the frame train had the year before. Like nearly every other rider has. I think it's disgraceful from Trek. It's lazy and it's rude, and you need to pull your socks up, Trek, and give Brody Chapman a friggin' Australian champion bike because she bloody deserves it. So that's my rant on Trek. Well, before you can, and now on the flip on the flip side, I've got something good mm-hmm. to say. 
Yeah. <laughs> Simon Clark, I love you. I was so proud when I saw you on the podium and you're wearing a cycling cap with the sufficient luft instead of what all these other guys do wear baseball caps. Finally, someone's on there. It's showing class. It's showing respect. You had this beautiful cap on, a little bit of luff perfectly. Well done, Simon. You're not like the rest of the New Age Bogans wearing trucker caps and cycling caps on the podium. So Simon Clark, uh, Clark 10 out of 10, brother. Can I just say the opinions on this program expressed by Hollywood are not necessarily shared by others. <laughs> uh, you're you're frigging soft, Tom Lawrence. You're soft. Don't care. <laughs> Try not you to too, Reynolds. <laughs> I am. I've got too many sponsors. Well, <laughs> oh, I've got Potential, no potential. Yeah, potential. Once I'm washed up, I'll be all over oh, Well, listen, that's it from us. Uh, we've uh, we've done our time in Hollywood. This this may not be the last time you appear on the Dom S6. Is <laughs> <laughs> Trek going to sponsor us? Are they? Can I just say, speaking of sponsors, I because Matilda wouldn't help me out, I actually went on the Black Sheep sale as soon as it opened and I bought two jerseys and a pair of bibs. I even bought a jersey in the wrong size because I wanted it so much. So I will have Black Sheep kit. It is coming. I've ordered it, so I'm excited. Matil- Purple bibs, a pink jersey, and that stripy, uh, I think, Rubay top or something, so I've got them. Hey, Tills, we wish you well yeah, for your... En- we take no responsibility Tills, we w- for what... We wish you well, <laughs> Tills, for your endeavours on the world tour. Um, you'll be representing yourself, and make sure you fly the flag high for the domestiques. Hey, that- Yeah, we've got yes. the famous Warnie this weekend. Yeah. So, um, hey, there's a thought. Yeah, no, it should there's be... There's a thought. A world yeah. tour team called the domestiques. The budget could be... It could be funded by Black Sheep and Honan Insurance Group. Yes? Yes? No? Yes? No? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Will I get a Will I get a ride on it? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'll be DS. Good yeah. luck to everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, make sure you tune into the domestics when we come around later this year. Bye for now. Domestics. The domestics by Blackship Cycling.